chapter 6. And at a trip to this, as concerned my new peers in 7th grade and 8th grade at St. Patrick's, was that I came from Holy Cross Elementary School in Las Cruces, which had an unusually strong basketball tradition for a mere grade school. I don't know how it is today in grade schools, but in those days, our grade school, ever since Father Caffrey, our pastor, had become our pastor, our, our coach, he inculcated the basics of the sport of basketball in all of us. And I'm talking about us as fourth graders, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. He was dead serious as a teacher and as a coach. And we better be as good and serious a student of the subject of basketball. Because the rules that we were learning, we were told, were rules for life, for life itself. We didn't exactly know what that was or what that meant, but we didn't have to understand. We just needed to learn and understand later. First thing we learned was that every aspect of the sport of basketball is important. Not only is every aspect important, every aspect, aspect is important every time, every single time. So accordingly, we practiced and practiced and practiced. We drilled and drilled individual things. We learned to dribble with the right hand, dribbled with the left hand, dribbled with both hands, dribbled. And, once, and we, we learned to pivot. Once you stop dribbling, you can't take steps. You can only pivot on either your left foot or your right foot, but you can't pivot on both. So we practiced, we drilled around the periphery of the court. Free throws are important. They may only count for one point, but that one point is important, so we've drilled on free throws. We learned to, to pass and to receive passes. Every time you pass, you take a step forward. Every time you receive a pass, you take a step forward to receive the pass. We had two uniforms. For a grade school, we had a blue uniform and a red uniform. We had a school song as fourth and fifth graders, as well as sixth, seventh, and eighth. We were singing the school song. So by the, by the sixth grade in Holy Cross, I already knew that you don't horse around and practice. Practice is not for having fun. It's for developing good habits which one needs in time for the game. We knew that what you do in practice, that's what you do in a game. So if you horse around and are careless, in practice, you're going to be careless in a game. We knew never to take your eyes off the, off the ball, whether on offense or defense. If you're on defense, they're carrying the ball to their goal. You walk backwards or you run backwards, but you keep your eye on the ball. We learned to be good, that a good player is always a good sport. One must always respect the coaches and the referees. Respect of authority is what we were learning. Our opponent team was just that, an opponent. They were not enemies, so we were not there to hurt them. We were there to prevent them from scoring, but not by hurting them. We knew that on defense, you always keep your arms up. In other words, you're always on defense if they have the ball. You're always on defense. If your man moves to the right, you move to the right. You always stay between your man and the goal. If he moves to the left, you move to the left, but you stay between him and the goal. You never give him free passage in front of, in front of you. 
Father Caffrey never told us that we were pros, but we, his students, believed that we were because we invariably won games from everything he taught us. So when I, and I mentioned all of this because when I showed up for my first year in seventh grade for the basketball practice, it was obvious to everyone from the coach on down to the starting five that I knew basketball. And so I was quickly put into the first five, to the starting lineup. And in grade school, in those days, I don't know about now, but in those days, as in high school, being in the first five elevates one to celebrity status in that small pond of the world. So I immediately achieved celebrity status even amongst the students that didn't particularly care for the game of basketball. When you're in the first five, everybody knows about you and they know where you live and they know how you're doing in school and whether you're popular or not popular. But come to think of it, it's the same in college and the same with the pros. The bigger the bond, the pond rather, the bigger the status, the celebrity status. And at the same time that I'm succeeding big time for my basketball status, I suddenly went from average grades as an elementary student to excellent grades. I knew, I somehow knew that I needed to excel in grades as I was regarded excelling in basketball. Receiving all this adult attention because of where I lived had something to do with all the attention I was receiving. So that had something to do with my feeling that I needed to excel. So suddenly my eighth grade, my seventh grade teacher is treating me as if I'm number one in, in, uh, in grades among the boys. A girl already has it nailed for the, girl, for the number one spot. My main competitor was Philip Ward, but he won. He, he really became number one and he deserved it. But I still got tremendous attention from the teacher. I wasn't teacher's pet, but I felt like it. Looking back, I made up my mind to become a left brain without even knowing what a left brain was until approximately age 25 when I discovered that there's such a thing as right brain and left brain. And at that time, I found out that if you've not cultivated the right brain, there are ways of cultivating it so that you can be both right and left. But in grade school, I wanted to be logical because I found out from somewhere that the smart adults in my life were people who were logical. So I needed to know logical thinking to be as smart as the people I admired. What I unconsciously set up for myself paid, up, paid off dividends from then on in my educational development. In high school, college, graduate school, etc. I was not a fast learner, but I put my slow learning through the paces to learn almost as much as the fast learners. And by the time I arrived upon philosophy as philosophy in my third year of college, because I, I uh, majored in that, I had prepared myself subconsciously for the many hours deep learning requires. So I wound up enjoying my philosophy courses immensely because I studied them deeply and for long hours. And I didn't know to consider myself either a fast or a slow learner until I heard a lawyer compare his two sons. 
Charlie, he said, is a fast learner. He reads it and he gets it. Sammy, on the other hand, he said, has to memorize, then synthesize and pulverize, and then he can analyze, but then he gets it. When he said that, I immediately knew that his description of Sammy was an accurate description of me. From then on, I categorized myself as a slow learner. Ah, but I was satisfied with my reflection because I knew what to do to get it, to memorize, synthesize, and pulverize, and then analyze, but I was going to get it. I was enjoying glory on many fronts, and most of it was due to my circumstances rather than me. And knowing that prevented me from getting a swelled head. I realized that I was in circumstances which gave me a lot of advantages. For instance, I had learned good manners from my mom, just like we all did. Respect for la gente grande, for instance. Respect for adults. Respect for elders. Respect for teachers, especially teachers of life, like my mom, her brothers, our uncles, teachers of the classroom, and teachers in the pulpit. Also, politeness and consideration of others was emphasized by her to all of us. And we learned mostly from her example. 